In this episode of Flying Smarter, I start by talking about seatmap websites. Afterwards, I'm chatting with family travel expert and former flight attendant Carrie Bradley about flying with a baby, covering things like pre-flight preparations, special packing considerations, and of course, crying babies. Welcome to episode 45 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel to help you become a smarter and savvier traveler. Let's get started. Now that SeatGuru isn't being updated anymore, what are alternate websites for airline seat maps? SeatGuru is a website that I've talked about a number of times before on Flying Smarter. It's a website that provides information about specific aircraft seating configurations. Once you find your aircraft seat map on SeatGuru, it provides information about each seat, including which ones to avoid, like ones without a window, or ones that may be better than others, like ones with extra legroom. However, SeatGuru is no longer being updated, so some of the information is out of date, and newer aircraft configurations do not show up there. I want to talk a bit about two alternate websites to SeatGuru. Now, airline websites will usually have seat maps for their aircraft as well, and these are the most definitive source, but they often provide limited information and especially won't tell you about seats to avoid. This is where third-party websites come into play. The first that I want to talk about is called Aerolopa. Aerolopa aims to provide very accurate seat maps, showing things like the exact location of windows in the cabin. The website is well maintained and up to date, the graphics are very well done, and it has a pretty comprehensive set of seat maps for airlines all around the world. While it doesn't have judgments on specific seats like SeatGuru, it does have a lot of information about seat types, in-flight entertainment, and seat features like in-seat power and onboard Wi-Fi for many of the aircraft on the website. On a side note, the LOPA part of the name comes from an industry term meaning layout of passenger accommodations. The second website is called SeatMaps.com. This website is a bit more similar to SeatGuru in the sense that it has color-coded seats with information, such as proximity to lavatories and limited recline. It also has some information about each configuration, including seat pitch and width. Did you know that you can access the post-security areas at some airports without being a passenger? As I talked about in the last episode of Flying Smarter, episode 44, the 9-11 attacks largely ended airside access without a boarding pass, particularly in the United States. However, in recent years, a number of airports have introduced ways for people to access the post-security areas without having to fly. As of the time of publication of this episode, airports that have this type of program include Seattle-Tacoma, New Orleans, Detroit, Tulsa, Orlando, and Ontario. Typically, you'll have to register or apply in advance and receive a free pass of some sort. Once at the airport, visitors will have to go through security screening just like passengers. Now this type of access offers some unique opportunities, such as the ability to access airside amenities without having to fly, spending time with friends and family before their flight, and meeting arriving passengers at the gate. Carrie Bradley is a family travel expert and former flight attendant. She runs the family travel site Flying with a Baby, which covers all aspects of family travel. She first set up the website after finding it frustrating that the information about flying with young children couldn't be found in one convenient place, and her work has since been featured in media outlets like USA Today and the BBC. Carrie also holds a joint honors degree in tourism and worked as an international flight attendant for 12 years. I'm extremely happy to have Carrie here with me today. Carrie, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Now, as much as I love air travel, I actually don't know all that much about family flying. I don't have kids myself at this point in my life. And in particular, flying with babies is uh, something that I know very little about. And that's what I want to talk to you about uh, today. And that's why I'm so interested in chatting with you. I feel like it can be hard enough having and caring for young children on a day-to-day -day basis in general. And I really can't imagine flying with a baby. It must be incredibly challenging. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that all parents worry about when it comes to that point in life when they need to go on a flight with a little one. I think the biggest fear is worrying what everybody else thinks about it. And I think at the end of the day, usually the flight is you generally better than you expect it will be. But that fear at the beginning is just huge. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that that it usually turns out better. But yeah, as, as as a more introverted person, and you know, if and when I do have children, I, I can't imagine you know going on and seeing what other people and being worried about what other people think, like you said. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that uh, about that later. Um, but maybe we can start right at the very beginning. Then, when it comes to booking and selecting flights, what uh, advice do you have for parents? Um, I think a lot depends if you're flying a domestic flight or fairly short haul, or you're or you're doing a long haul flight. And then for me, I'm always, I would always research the airline first and what options. Um, you've got some really great family airlines out there. You've got the big contenders like Etihad, Emirates, that, and Qatar, which provide great, great kids packs with diapers and nappies and baby food and Etihad um, used to even have a nanny, but that sadly went during to, during COVID. And then you've got the other airlines which don't provide very much. Maybe they don't provide um, priority seating or you have to pay for the bassinet. Um, short haul flights won't even have a bassinet, which is a, a cot for a, a baby on the flight, a crib. Um, so the first port of call is always to research for me, what does the airline have and then go through that and then see what the what's the preferable route, the timings, and kind of look at all those factors together and jiggle it around and see what's most important to you. I suppose a lot of it depends on why you're traveling. Are you going for a family vacation? Are you do you have to get there for a last minute thing? Are you accompanying your partner on a business trip? So all those factors sort of play into what your priority is. Is it going to be the cheaper flight? Is it going to be the bassinet? Is it going to be the airline with the best facilities? Now, you mentioned bassinets there. And uh, of course, these days, you often have to pay for seat selection. What uh, best practices are there for when it comes to deciding where you want to sit or more looking at seat selection? It depends um, places. Um, I think in the in Canada and the USA, when it comes to bassinets, it tends to be very much a first come, first served feature. So whoever checks in first and is at the boarding, well, not checks in first, I would say at the boarding gate, generally get priority. And obviously that you've got to make sure that your baby fits inside the bassinet. Um, not all bassinets are created equal, like no airline, no uh, no aircraft is created equal. So that's the first thing you've got to make sure that will my baby fit in that bassinet and how do I request that bassinet? Some airlines will let you request it um, at point of booking, like British Airways, when you're booking your flight, you and every single person in that party get to have your seat selection and it's for free. Whereas other airlines will say, yes, you, you're not actually technically paying for the bassinet, 
but you're paying for the bulkhead seat, which is that the row where the wall or barrier is between the class or the galley or the lavatories, as they like to call them. So, yeah, there's a, there's all those factors to to play into it. Now, let's say we've booked our flights, we picked our seats and all that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to packing, what tips do you have for things like strollers, diaper bags and sort of some of the special bag allowances that uh, exist for those? Most airlines, not all, but most airlines will allow you to check in at least two pieces um, additional to your normal baggage allowance, that being your car seat and your stroller. Some allow an additional item like a, a travel crib or something, but they're not, they're not very many of those. So if you have a lap baby, then you're going to be thinking about, do I need the car seat at the destination? Is my car seat legal to use on the road in another destination? People might not be aware that you can't use a USA or Canadian car seat in the EU. Technically, it's against the law on the road and vice versa. People do, but they might not be aware of that. And obviously that can render, that goes, you go down a whole rabbit hole of travel insurance and all of that. Mm -hmm. So you've got to, that's things that you're going to be considering when you're packing. But if you go down the line that most airlines allow those two items, then the next thing to be is, do they allow a diaper bag? Most will, but some might say you have to have it, all the items in your personal item. Again, it's really the best port of call is to look at your airline website, identify exactly what is allowed so you don't have any nasty surprises at the airport and turn up with everything in the kitchen sink and go, "Ah, actually, I can't bring it all. A big one is liquids. Um, Obviously, 311 rule or the 100 mil rule, as it's known over here, um, changing soon for the EU. Um, I think 2024, I believe that's changing. So basically, baby foods and milk and liquids are exempt from that. So you can bring as much breast milk, if you've already pre-pumped it, or any formula, boiled bottled water, anything like that for your baby. So you don't need to worry about how am I going to feed my baby? I'm not, I can I, I'm going to run out of space. You can bring as much as, as a reasonable quantity as, as required. Then one thing I always say is my husband learned this the hard way on the way to Australia on a 24 hour flight. Um, my, my little one had diaper rash and it was a flight to Australia. Uh, she screamed every time she peed. Oh no. <laughs> every time. So, and then she projectile vomited oh, no. and it went all over him. So I just said, Hey, just get your spare, change your clothes. And he went, oh, no, I didn't have any. I didn't bring any. So luckily, the crew were very kind and gave him a set of pajamas from the front um, from first class. But um, the lesson there is you always think about the baby, packing clothes for your baby. But pack anybody who's traveling with the babies, bring a spare pair of clothes for you because you just don't know when anything's going to happen. And then obviously snacks for you. And and I think if you're breastfeeding, then clothes are easy for you to be getting in and out of or to put an extra layer on if you're too hot and or to take off if you're um, put on if you're too cold. Um, I think those are the most sort of common things to bring. Maybe a pacifier just for takeoff or descent, just in case ears are a little bit sore doesn't happen to every baby most are fine but it just might reassure you if you can't feed them at the time 
here's one thing that I'm curious about, and I you mentioned it uh, briefly about car seats. And I've seen people check their car seats; it's fa- it's fairly common. But I've also recently learned that you can actually bring car seats on on planes. What's the deal with uh, with car seats? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's brilliant. You can, if you, as long as it's an FAA approved or an airline approved, depending on which country you're going with, um, approved car seat, you are allowed to bring them on the plane. You have to buy a seat for the infant, then you can use it as long as it's airline approved. But even then, you need to be wary because the rules that might apply for your country might not apply to another airline. For example, in the USA, the FAA says if you've got an airline approved car seat, you are allowed to use it forward facing or rear facing. And and it's the it's the airline's responsibility to make sure that you've got a suitable seat for that. Whereas in the EU and other places, it's not quite as straightforward. Um, most airlines will say that the car seat has to be forward facing or facing the direction of the airplane seat. And if they don't have a seat suitable, obviously some airlines have seat belts at the bulkhead, which have inflatable, I can't really think of the name of it, it's escaped me, but some have seats which are not suitable for car seats, Um, maybe a business class seat, maybe a first class seat, it might not might not fit so and they do not have a legal responsibility to sort that out if it doesn't fit then basically it's tough luck but again they usually say on their websites what dimensions and things you need and they'll say all their requirements on the website and it's all very clear so you won't have a a nasty surprise at the airport but it's just again go through that airline website it might take a little bit of digging around Mm -hmm. because not all airline websites are easy to Mm -hmm. navigate but the information is there now, let's say we've booked our flights, we packed, we've gone on our plane, either with or without the car seat. We're in flight. What are best practices for feeding babies during your flight? Whatever works for you and baby. Absolutely. doesn't It doesn't matter. Whatever works for you. Breastfeeding is obviously completely allowed um, and encouraged if, you, if that's what you want to do. Nobody will ever say you can't do that. Um, you, if you're shy, you can certainly ask for a blanket, an extra blanket maybe, or I would suggest a window seat if you'd like a little bit more privacy. I did in my flying days actually ask, somebody asked me, where where can I go to breastfeed that's private? And unfortunately, there, there isn't anywhere on the flight unless you go to, to the loo or um, the restrooms. And um, obviously, who wants to eat in restrooms? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't. So does a baby really want to do that? That's what you can do there. In terms of if your baby's a little bit older and is weaning, um, you can bring, as I said, as much baby food on board. Another great thing that a lot of airlines have, especially big airlines like American Airlines, if you're flying long haul or Emirates, British Airways, Virgin, Singapore, you can request a baby meal. And that is always a pureed meal. It's from naught to two. So it's not ideal if your baby is kind of that 18 month stage and is like, I don't really want puree. But if they're younger, it's quite good to know that you can request that as an additional item and the crew will bring that for you. Again, it is a request. Things get forgotten sometimes. So I would always go with the adage, prepare for your flight as if nothing's going to be there. So then you know that you're covered in any delays or anything like that. 
No, I think that's great. And that's a, I think that's a great tip for flying in general, not even just with, with babies, right? To, you know, you, you can hear that there's going to be all these things on your planes, but it's always safe to prepare for, for if nothing's actually going to be there, right? Now, what about when it comes to keeping babies either asleep or occupied or um, what, what do you do for most of the flight? When they're obviously really tiny, um, they don't really do a lot and they sleep, eat, cry. And that's what we found when my eldest did her first flight. She did an 11 hour flight to Cape Town and she just slept in the bassinet. I was expecting a nightmare and it was was pleasantly surprised. She just slept there and then in the day flight on the way back, she played and we just had a few age appropriate things for her, like just some teethers and things like that. But then as you get older and they get a little bit more mobile, they need a little bit more entertaining and they get a little bit fractious being stuck in one place. So we've um, we've taken, I like the little fidget spinner toys, which you can stick onto windows and they can spin around. Sleep wise, that's the big the big thing that I think every parent worries about and potentially other passengers when they see a parent with a baby coming around. We found trying to keep as much as possible to a routine really helps, like changing the baby into nightwear, sleepwear, um, reading a book, whatever you normally do. I mean, obviously you can't do bath time, but you can do the reading, the story, feeding, getting changed. There's a couple of really great products on the market now. There's a thing that we call the, it's called a cozy go. And it's like a blackout blind and it's really compact. It scrunches up to the size of, gosh, like a small, a small circle, basically. It's really flat. And then it opens up and then it fits over the bassinet. And it's incredible because it's got all these zippers and things. So you can still peek at baby, but it's, and it's fully breathable. And it shields the baby from the nighttime, from the lights, the cabin lights. Oh, so wow. if you're trying to get your baby to sleep and the cabin lights, I mean, I need one for me, to be honest. And they mm. whack on the cabin lights before breakfast <laughs> and you're like, oh, jumping mm-hmm. around. So it's brilliant. And then you can also use it as a stroller cover as well. So it's great. It's not just a one one thing, a dual purpose. But there's a couple of things similar to that on the market. So I really love that. And I think it's probably the present that I buy for baby showers from most new mums. And they've all gone, oh my gosh, when they've gone on a trip, this is amazing. So routine, a product like this, if you can't get one or you don't want to pay out for one, they do ship worldwide, I know. And I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not working for them, I promise. <laughs> but what people have done is get a dark coloured light blanket or maybe a light, a dark colored muslin, and then got a got some duct tape and then stuck it on the wall of the bulkhead if they've got a bassinet seat, and then just kind of let it drape down just a shield from the lights or maybe from a TV screen. So that's an alternative option. Some airlines might not allow it. It it again, it depends on your flight attendant on the day to see how accommodating they are. Yeah. And along those lines, here's something that I'm sure everyone can relate to, whether they have a baby or they've had a baby or not, crying babies. What advice (laughs) or best practices do you have for parents in that aspect? Yeah, good question. I know that I remember when I was, we were flying to Thailand with Artie and a woman at the end of the flight said to me, I have to say, I was really worried when I saw your family walking up and sitting right behind us. And she said, I didn't hear a peep. I have to say, it's not always like that in every flight. (laughs) Um, I was lucky. 
But um, again, you, you just do what you can do. Worst case scenario, when my baby was, my eldest was screaming her head off 24 hours on the way to Australia because she had diaper rash. My husband and I, we just took it in turns. We just thought, okay, she's going to cry. We keep putting diaper rash. We keep putting cream on her. We keep changing her. Um, there's nothing we can do to stop this. Um, but how can we make it more comfortable for us to try and get through 24 hours with no sleep and jet lag and also help other people um, get some sleep because we were well aware most people were trying to sleep. And we took it in turns. We just said, right, you have a two-hour shift on duty. I have a two-hour shift. And whether that's picking baby up, if the seatbelt sign is off, having a little walk around the galley, trying to, you know, just to try and entertain them or distract them, go for it. And then at least one parent gets a bit of a rest. That area gets a bit mm -hmm. of a rest. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens, even if baby doesn't settle, the flight will end. You'll never see those people ever again. So don't worry what they think. Just do what you can that works for you and works for baby. But don't worry. And and I, I we've done hundreds of flights. And I have to say, I don't think I've had a, a filthy look from, from anybody. If anything, it's been really sympathizing looks from other people, whether it's a solo businessman who's thinking, oh, gosh, my wife is at home dealing with this right now. And they've always helped me when I've traveled by myself, um, other moms on the flight. So, yeah, as much as it's uh, probably everybody's biggest fear, it's don't worry, don't don't even worry about them. You just concentrate on works for you and baby. You know, I had experience helping mm -hmm. other people with babies on their flights mm -hmm. um, and I just, yeah, and I was just, when it when it came to my own, I was like, oh my God, everybody's going to be watching me. What happens if she does this? And then the worst happened. She screamed for 20, it can't get worse than screaming for 24 hours. And then I just thought, and to be honest, I didn't, we didn't have time to even think about what other people were look if they were looking, whether or worry if they were looking at us. We were just thinking, how are we going to make sure that we get some rest, baby gets some rest, baby's looked after, and that we somehow get through without collapsing in a heap. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that whole, I think that whole taking turns, if you're, that's if you're lucky to be traveling with a, with your partner or, or family or friend. Solo travel, if you're traveling with on your own, I've done that a couple of times. Ask the crew. I mean, if they're, if, especially if it's a night flight and they're not particularly busy, it was I'd like I needed to pop to the loo and they they were more than happy to help whole baby and things like that and and just ask them if they if there's any way that they can help um generally most of them are mums even if they're not they'll have a degree of sympathy for you and they'll know that they'll offer some sort of help I'm sure if you're a passenger and you're watching having to deal with this and you don't have kids noise noise cancelling headsets are your friend <laughs> Terry Bradley is a family travel expert and former flight attendant who runs the family travel site Flying with a Baby. The website covers all aspects of family travel worldwide, including family holiday destination guides, hotel and airline reviews and comparisons, attractions and trip plans, and of course, tips for family vacations, flying and travel in general. You can find Carrie and Flying with a Baby at flyingwithababy.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X. Thanks so much for being here to share your knowledge and your experience, Katie. I really appreciate it, and it was great having you. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great having a chat.
That brings us to the end of episode 45 of Flying Smarter. Please take a minute and follow us on social media where you'll find things like podcast updates, additional content, visuals of things we talk about, and sneak peeks. For example, our last episode was about the lasting effects of 9-11 on air travel. And over the past two weeks, I've shared things like photos from my visits to the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, and one of the American flags that still flies above the departure gates for the hijacked flights. Those following the podcast on Facebook and Instagram also got a sneak peek about this week's episode on our stories. On Instagram, I also did something fun inspired by the Did You Know segment of episode 43, where I shared some more JetBlue aircraft names and asked people what their favorite JetBlue aircraft names and liveries are. And of course, there are lots of visuals. You'll also want to be with us on social media for episode 50, as I have some exciting things planned for that. For all that and more, follow Flying Smarter on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or now known as X, and LinkedIn. Links to all those are in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.